0: So, I think I'll start with a quote. This is uh, by Thich Nhat Hanh. He says that if you're motivated by loving kindness and compassion, there are many ways of bringing happiness to others right now, starting with kind speech. So there's a lot going on. In the world, you turn on the radio and the TV and, you know, the election. Sorry, I'm going to mention it. (laughs) There's that going on. (laughs) There's, um, you know, if you're following what's going on in the Middle East, if you're following what's happening with Russia right now, there's a lot going on. And then uh, certainly plenty going on locally. Maybe there's a lot going on in your own personal life. You don't even have to look outside of just right here to see that there's a lot going on. And I think sometimes we get caught up in all of that and feel like there's something that we need to do. We need to, we need to do something about it, which is actually a really noble thought and maybe a noble intention, and perhaps will lead to a really noble action. But sometimes that kind of thinking, it gets overwhelming or it feels like too much, too big. Uh, I'm too busy for that right now, I'll do it later. Um, And we just keep listening to the news or watching the news and we just keep going on with our our lives and kind of forget about it. Or maybe we feel overwhelmed by it and um, a little frozen by it, like we want so badly to do something, but we get stuck in in doing nothing because we don't know which way to move. And so what I like about this quote is that it's pointing to something uh, that we can do that's very fundamental, that's here with us all the time, and that is to make a difference in the world and make a difference in our life in a way that matters to us through our speech by bringing our practice to our communication, bringing our practice to our interactions with other people. And in a way, that seems small, but it's everything. Whatever big idea that you might end up having, at its foundation, it'll be this. It'll be needing wise, compassionate speech and communication at some point, right? Right? And so what he's pointing to is that we can do this right now. I mean, not right this minute, because you're not talking to each other, but at some point you're going to talk to somebody, and it won't be long from now, and right there you can be practicing this practice. And this practice of wise speech and communication is one that uh, the Buddha spoke highly of. In fact, uh, it made the list of eight, the Eightfold Path, that this is a major part of our practice to liberation, to awakening, to freedom from our suffering. This is one of the eight things that he could have chosen, is mindfulness, uh, bringing attention to our speech, to use it in a wise, compassionate way. So this is no little thing, and it's also not an easy thing. There's something simple about the idea bringing practice to speech, but the actual practice of it is really difficult. And it takes practice. It takes repetition. It takes will and courage and intention. It takes steadiness and concentration to be able to do this practice. When we are looking at uh, the formal teachings of the Buddha, he doesn't use the word communication, or at least it's not translated into communication. But I like the word communication because when we speak, there's more going on than just our words, especially now when we have so many different ways to communicate in this day and age. So I like I like the idea of bringing this to um, our communication, our um, making wise communication choices. Because it is. It's more than just what comes out of our mouth. It's its um, how we are when we say it. What's going on in our body, in our mind, in our heart. It's more than just words. And I feel that that's actually probably more what the Buddha was talking about. Um, but maybe um, just the way that it was spoken uh, and translated, it didn't come out that way. But to simplify it to just words, it's, it's not quite whole. So I want to talk about this in terms of our communication. And to do that, um, to talk a little bit about what communication actually is, and to say it in a very simple way, um, communication is really the, the coming together it's, it's relating something to another person in a way to come together. So when we are speaking to communicate, if we're actually communicating and we're not just throwing words out, we're doing it with the intention to come together. When we're not communicating or when we're not using wise speech, we bring uh, a disconnect possibility so we're we're causing disconnect between ourself and another person or a group of people. So this practice is really about becoming uh, more and more in harmony with, with the people around us. It's also about becoming more in harmony with ourself. And that's where we start, is getting more in touch with ourself, with our body being here, with what's going on internally and see exactly how does that affect what ends up flying out of my mouth or in an email or in my text message. We have to start here with wise speech. And I'm pointing down here because it really it's it's here. It's in the body. I think speech sometimes it, it becomes such an intellectual exercise of our experience, um, and we forget the rest of us. And there's a lot of information going on down here that gets missed. So I want to start there. So right now, I just want to um, uh, bring in a practice that many of you already know, and that is becoming mindful of the body. And so however you're sitting, you're welcome to shift and change if you'd like, Be comfortable. But um, I want you to bring attention down into the body. I want you to feel the body sitting on the chair or the cushion. Feel the weight of the body. Feel your feet on the floor. Notice where your hands have landed. Notice your breath. Notice your shoulders, your throat, your face. This whole body is sitting here. Notice what's tight about this body right now. Notice what's relaxed about this body right now. notice the energy level of the body are you sleepy are you feeling a little over energized somewhere in between having your attention in the body right now, has it become obvious uh, that there's a particular emotion that's happening right now? Maybe it's peacefulness or calm, or maybe it's sadness, anger, Maybe it's anxiety, fear, something that's followed you in here today, something that's been hiding out perhaps today and now you're noticing it. Maybe not. But when we bring our attention down into the body, we suddenly become more aware of the fullness of what's going on. Even if what's going on is confusion, uncertainty, at least we have that information. So you're welcome to stay connected uh, with the body in this way as I continue to talk. We're gonna kinda come in and out of this practice When we come and we sit on the cushion or in the chair here and practice together, maybe you have a daily practice at home. Um, I always find it really interesting how quickly whatever is cultivated on the cushion, how quickly does it leave (laughs) or seem to leave when we get up? (laughs) You know, even just from, I know I've had experiences of having just really amazing sits and then I get up and I go to the bathroom and my brain is just and I'm off and I'm reliving something oh I wish I had had that sit before I had had this conversation with this person because that went really badly man they are such a jerk I don't like them I don't like being around them Ooh, even thinking about them It brings this like yucky feeling and just... And I'm gone in something that's not actually happening in that moment. I'm just standing in that long line for the women's bathroom. A lot can happen in that line in your mind. And just, you know, a minute earlier I was having this incredible sit. So how does our practice translate into our life? How can we bring it off of the cushion more fully into the things that we do from day to day? And in this, for this, the sake of this talk uh, in particular, how do we bring it into our speech and into our interactions with others? I think maybe the most challenging time to stay connected with our practice is in interactions with others, especially those who are difficult. So now I'd like you to go back to your body if you left it for a moment and feel yourself sitting here. And I'd like to uh, just give you a moment to settle into it again. Feel it sitting on the cushion or chair. That, that heaviness can be a real anchor for the attention Notice how you're feeling in this moment. And then I'd like to invite you to think of a time you were in conflict with somebody else. Maybe it happened earlier today, maybe earlier this week. You don't need to go straight to your worst fight ever, but just an experience of um, maybe you just snapped at somebody you care about. You were tired, you were hungry, you were annoyed. Maybe it was more than just that. Maybe there was a lot of back and forth around a decision that needed to be made and no one was in agreement. I want you just to think of At one time, where you experienced something like this, and notice if you can actually feel it in your body as you're thinking about it. Remember in your mind also what that was like. Were you really present and in your body? Did you feel in control of your words? Did you feel in control of your mind? Okay. And then you're welcome to just take a deep breath. (sighs) A cleansing breath. Let that go. It's not here right now just bringing it up for the sake of learning. So maybe we could hear from a few of you. When you're in conflict with another person, what happens to your practice? Were you actually able to stay present? Uh, Was it really difficult to stay present? Were you able to stay in your body? Were you able to have real control over your words? What happens when you're really upset? We could hear just from a couple of you. I guarantee your experience will not be weird <laughs> and unknown by everybody else. Yes. Oh, it's okay. I'll repeat it. Mm-hmm. do you notice so what she was she said there's a family member that when when you're interacting with this particular person that you feel frightened and almost like a victim like it sounds like you get triggered in some way do you notice that even before you interact with them that there's some anticipation of that happening hmm I can relate to that. (laughs) I've had those people in my life, or still do. And it's just amazing how even the most simple interaction with certain people, it can just throw us completely. Thank you for sharing that. How many of you have experienced something like that with another person? Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah. So how to stay within our practice when that happens. So we'll come back to that. Anything else come to mind? Yeah.
1: I think with practice I've noticed that I control like it if someone says something immediately I might have done something wrong without realizing it's their thing that
0: they've heard the word. Uh huh. Mhm. Yeah. like it like when uh, when someone has a criticism, or are they they just or is it a lot of different scenarios that this is relatable? Projecting. Okay, so projecting issues on you, and you actually, and it goes—you take it really personally and internalize it a little bit. And but through the practice, you're noticing it. Yeah, Sounds like I it into my body, I can feel it. you can feel it in your body. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's actually—it's a—it's a, even though it can be a really uncomfortable thing to start to notice that these feelings and reactions are, are actually very bodily, that it's not just um, in the mind, that it's also in the body, that they're very much connected. That's a re- It's a great thing to notice, but it's really uh, uncomfortable. But when we can notice the fullness of that, we have more to work with. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll come back to that example too. Thank you. Yeah, so... How to to come back to presence when we are um, upset, when we are uh, triggered in some way, we get this flash of anger, um, we are just annoyed and tired, hungry. You know, there's a lot of scenarios where our patience is just thin, that one person, they're at just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and they said the wrong thing, and we're just, you know. What do we do? How can we, how can we work with that? So um, what I'd like to do, and this is optional if you want to sit out, that's just fine, but otherwise I'd like you to pair up with somebody. So turn towards somebody next to you. You don't have to know them, most likely you won't. Um... Turn toward them, and uh, I'd like you to um, just shake their hand and say hello and say your name. Okay. So then as much as is co- comfortable, turn, you can turn your chairs and so you're not straining yourself, and turn your body and, um, so you can face them. And we're going to do that same practice we did at the beginning, uh, just grounding in the body, becoming more embodied, becoming present in the body. We're going to do the same practice, but now we're doing it in front of somebody. So we're doing, these are baby steps. So I'd like you to first just fully bring your attention inward to yourself. You can close your eyes if you'd like, um, but really, fully bring your attention into yourself. Don't worry about the other person yet. If there's groups of three, that's fine. Feel the body sitting here. The breath. Notice if anything's changed. It doesn't necessarily have to, but you might notice a little anticipation or excitement about this, nervousness, dread. Maybe you hate this kind of stuff. So just notice. (laughs) Notice what's coming up for you. And just breathe. Okay. Now, I want you to, not yet, but in a moment, I'm going to have you open your eyes. And when you do, I'd like you to play with this idea. This is really just a concept of keeping, I don't know, maybe 50% of your attention on yourself and 50% of your attention on the other person. Don't get hung up on what is exactly 50-50. <laughs> but just get the sense that you have attention inward and outward. That you that there's that happening and just just see if that's even possible. Okay? So go ahead and open your eyes and look at the person that you're working with. You don't have to eye gaze. You don't have to stare right into their eyes. You know, but just take them in in some way. You know, know that they're there. Um, yeah, and see what's, what that's like. That's That might be kind of hard. You might start just looking at their feet and then take take, you know, move up, maybe take in their torso and then their face eventually. It's hard. It's very... It's an interesting thing. Notice what happens to your attention. Does it go in? Does it go fully out? Do you need to kind of break the connection after a while because it's just too much? It's just an experiment. It's going to be different for everyone. Some people are really comfortable with this. Others, this is really new and weird. (laughs) Just keep breathing into it. You keep relaxing into it. I won't hold you here that long. Ah, It's not that bad. (laughs) Notice what's happening to the attention again. Can you keep it about 50-50? Notice what that's like to be embodied, but also have this connection with someone else. Okay, go ahead and close your eyes again. Bring your attention back inward. Notice that shift, what that's like. Okay, so then this next round, we'll do the same thing where I'd like you to see if you can do that 50-50 with your attention. But this time, a little harder, I want you again to shake the other person's hand and each of you say your name while staying present with yourself and present with the other person. Okay? So then open your eyes and go ahead, shake their hand and say, introduce yourselves again. Notice the attention. Did the attention kind of jump out of you and you got to bring it back to the body? Okay. So then sit there with your partner again. I'd like you to then, um, in a moment, share what this was like while seeing if you can keep some awareness of where your presence is. is it? Does it go fully outward? Does it stay really inward? is there a possibility to have it split so that you're present with yourself and the other person? That's kind of what we're going for, on some degree of that. Okay, so go ahead and, and share what was, what was this exercise like so far? What did you notice? And you can just go back and forth, and uh, like normal, <laughs> but with some degree of awareness about what's happening to your presence. Okay, go ahead. I'll ring the bell. Remember to keep track of your presence. Where is your attention? Are you still embodied in some way? If your partner hasn't shared yet, make sure that they get a chance to share. We'll do one more minute. Okay, so it's different, huh? <laughs> when we are, um, when we're communicating, when we are trying to connect with another person, we have to connect with ourselves first. It's not an option; <laughs> that has to be step one. Uh, but we forget that, I think, really easily. Um, we're not really taught that necessarily either. So this is something we have to relearn. We have to learn how to do this. So connecting with ourself in order to connect with others. I'd love to hear, just uh, maybe just in brief, what you noticed in, in doing this, this exercise. And maybe this time we will go around uh, with the mic, because I realize, you know... It's really cool. People all over the world listen to these podcasts. I, I, I'm always amazed. I know, right? Well, that, that's not to make you feel shy. <laughs> Pressure's really on now. Got an international audience. <laughs> I should have waited to the end. Anyway, so who wants to go first? <laughs> yeah, what did it? what was, you know, in brief, what was it like? There we go.
1: Rave soul. <laughs> Hello. I am Omar again. What I had difficulty with is the 50-50 thing. For uh-huh. me, it wasn't that scientific. Yeah. It was more of in and out, in yes. and out. Like when we shook hands, I was all the way out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then when I pulled my hand back, I was all the way, all the way back in. Yeah. In touch with my body. Yes, yeah. and, uh, and I felt comfortable with gazing. eye Gazing, and that was easy, easy for me. That was Great. no discomfort with that. Probably I practiced that before, Yeah, Uh Uh, but I enjoyed the whole exercise.
0: Oh, good. That's great. Yeah. So that's great. Um, I'm glad you mentioned that about the 50-50. Again, the 50-50, it's just a concept. So it's just a way for us to gauge what is actually happening to our attention and to point to that it is possible to be aware of ourself and another person at the same time. Um, that that's possible in that and when we do that to really notice how that changes uh, how we feel with that other person now that's not to say that sometimes really going fully in you know sometimes that's a really good idea and necessary to to check in and see well what do I how do I feel about this what do I want to do about this we we do we go we go in and you know, maybe we see someone who's really needing more of our attention, and so whoosh, our attention can go out. the The piece here though, that gets missed is to know that that's happening. There's the practice, there's our mindfulness practice, our concentration practice. What is actually happening? Because we just take it for granted because it just it does it does it automatically in different ways, but we're not necessarily aware of it. And when we're not aware with it, of it, we can't adjust it in ways that help us become more connected, uh, become more aware of how we are in the situation. What are we bringing to the situation, to the connection? Yeah, thank you. Anything else out of that? Yeah, Laurel. Oh, and he's got the the mic. <clears throat> I actually found that the maintaining eye gaze was very difficult at first yeah. and required a lot of effort. And I'm curious, and I don't know if it'd be possible to do a little poll here, but see if it, how it aligns along gender. Oh, that's difference. interesting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Just wondering, you know, who, maybe a show of hands of those who were comfortable with it as opposed to those who it was an effort for. Yeah, and I don't know if how, how well we could do that with, with gender. There's, you know, now we're, we're just so much more conscious about what gender is, that this means many, many things. Um, but yeah, why don't we just see how many people found the eye gazing to be difficult? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really, it's a very vulnerable thing. In fact, it's somewhat unnatural, you know if you look through evolution (laughs) you know to if you know there's something about you know being able to you know if you're looking right at another person um, there can be some something uh, you know the purpose of intimidation or you know um, like you don't if you don't know a dog for example you don't just go up and look them right in the eye (laughs) they they don't like that you know they kind of what's your intention um, so we have a little bit of that, kind of. And uh, it's not necessarily what we do. <laughs> we don't usually sit down in front of a stranger and just <laughs> look them right in the eye. But um, but over time, actually, like Omar was saying, there can be a real comfort and ease with it, uh, with practice. I know I felt the same way when I first doing did exercises like this, and it took a while, and then... Now it's it's uh, a lot easier. Um, not that I always stare people in the eye, <laughs> but um, in certain instances when I feel like I really want to be there, I, I can I do it. I did feel <clears throat> more comfortable as the as exercise progress. Oh, that's great! Yeah, it's a little practice. That's all this is. This is practice. It's an experiment. Okay. Well done, everyone. Thanks for doing that. Um, so, this is this piece around communication. it really it it's so much more than just our words, and our words are really important. I think a lot of um, a lot of suffering is caused by what is said and what's put out there. You know, um, We live now in an age where communication or so-called communication. Um it's everywhere uh just the mass amount of information that's available through type or um uh by word of mouth or whatever it's it's there's just so much um it's not just who you pass on your way to the market anymore it's you know calling your uh mother-in-law across country and you know Watching a news report of what's going on on the other side of the world, or um, yeah, it's just different. It's just different. And when that speech um, is done in a way that is not out of the intention to bring together, to bring peace, to bring clarity, it can be really, really harmful and has they have major that has major ripple effects. You know, we know this from our own experience of things that we've said. Maybe we've said something years ago and that person, you know, that's what they think of when they see us or they bring it up every now and then and you think, "God, that was so long ago, aren't we over this?" No. <laughs> Once we say it, it's out there. Once we hit send, it's really out there. <laughs> You know it's um it's a big deal what, what comes out of our our mouths. We can't be so casual about it if we want if we want happiness, if we want that that peace, that feeling of settled, that um, feeling of clarity, uh, the lack of fear, the feeling of of our own integrity, ooh, there's something so precious and wonderful about that, we want that. And we actually really need to work to get it because it, this isn't easy. So, the Buddha had, uh, had guidelines around speech. There were five uh, in particular. So, uh, I'll share those with you now. So, the first one um, is something we learned as kids to restrain from lying. This is huge, this is really important. And, oh, and we know it, and we've done it. I mean, we've broken it. <laughs> we've restrained from it, but we've also lied before, probably, most likely. Um, and we know the effects of that. Uh, now, these are not commandments. It's really different uh, in the Buddhist practice. These are to be explored. These these guidelines are to be explored, and to really be understood. Why do we want to restrain from, from uh, refrain from lying? Why? What is it that it does? What are the ripple effects it causes that in my lifetime um, has an effect that leads me away from the things I really deeply want in terms of my happiness and my freedom? Um, and so we can probably answer that question um, but still, there's subtleties to this, to lying. So what is a lie? There's the big, bold-faced lies, but then there's the little things, you know, the little lies that we tell, that we feel like, well, that's kind of okay. You know, I I said it so that I didn't hurt their feelings, or I said it because I knew if I didn't, then, I, you know, I'd get in a little bit of trouble, or... Um, i just didn 't want to deal with the repercussions, so I said this instead, and so we kind of we can really easily justify uh, being dishonest um, and so it 's time to to bring attention to that and really look at that what What if I just was really honest, and what would that be like? Um, sometimes even our exaggerations if you 're someone who speaks in a way where you're exaggerating everything, um, what does that do when to your connection with other people? Again, we're looking at connection with other people. Um, does it create disconnect in some way? Does it somehow plant the seed that okay, what they're saying, I can, I really just take it with a grain of salt. Um, it's not really, it's not totally true. You know, if that's how people are relating to what you say, then that connection with them. Um, it's not that strong. There's some disconnect that's being created with those words. Um, even with the little lies, there can be a disconnect within yourself. I know I've done it before, where afterwards I immediately think, God, I didn't even, I didn't even have to say that. I just, I, you know, that was, that wasn't totally true, and I don't even know why I said that. And then the worry of what if they find out that that wasn't totally true, or, you know, what does that mean about me that I could just say that, you know. And suddenly there can be this disconnect internally as well. So the ripple effects of uh, not being honest are pretty huge. And they can sprout up, of course, with lying when the truth is found out. It can sprout out uh, later, and then the harm can be devastating. Uh, Trust can be completely broken. It's hard to reconnect with someone when the trust is gone. Maybe we've experienced this. In our life, and it's very painful for for everyone. The person who told the lie and got caught, ooh, that is so painful. And the person who who had affected the other person. So this is important. Um, and so if we're refraining from that, to cultivate honesty. Um, so we'll refrain from something, and then in turn we'll cultivate something. So perhaps its 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 opposite is honesty to speak. Uh, be a truth teller, this is hard sometimes. This sometimes means not just telling the truth, uh, but sometimes it also means speaking up when it's time to speak up uh, and, and to say what needs to be said to create more peace, to create more harmony, and that can be really difficult. Um, I have a quote by George Orwell. Here it is, George Orwell. He says, in time of universal deceit, telling the truth is a revolutionary act. (laughs) Maybe. So then the next uh, guideline uh, is to uh, refrain from divisive speech. So speech, when we're talking with another person about another person, or we're, we're saying something in a way that, that um, uh, makes a, a us and a them. So maybe we're talking about groups, right? And we look at the racism in, in our country, um, uh, sexism. Uh, it's, it's, you know, how we speak about other people. Do we speak in a way where there's this divide, a division? Are we speaking in a way where we're creating more harmony and connection Divisive speech. Um, divisive speech is really interesting because sometimes we use it to connect with certain people, at the expense of creating a disconnect with other people. Um, so, and, every I'm seeing a lot of nods. <laughs> you know, it's so it's there's something um, seductive about it. Right, We want to connect with this group of people or this particular person and we know they don't like so-and-so and we don't really like so-and-so either or maybe we don't care. So we start talking about them. And have you ever had that relationship where every time you get together you talk about that one person and it's like your connection with each other is a, the, how you don't like another person. What an awful connection. But we're so hungry for connection so we, we think, oh, that's what I want. I've got it. I've got the connection but it's poison. It's just, it's poison. It's poison not only in your mind, but you're actually helping cultivate the other person in this way. Um, so it's, this is something to to really look at and to explore and, and to see for yourself that this isn't actually helping your ultimate goal. So then it's opposite to cultivate harmonious speech. And I always love... Uh, to tell the story, I probably have told it here, of my grandmother, um, who I just loved. And she, in the end, um, was having these mini strokes and had very little uh, short-term memory, so she would ask the same question over and over again. But her personality, uh, in many respects, was still there. And something that was so true to her um, before she was getting these strokes was how she would see the best in people and speak it. And so whenever someone was saying something, if she was in a conversation and you, you know, and the conversation turned to talking about so-and-so, you know, they're not a very good mother or they're, you know, they're not... Uh, uh, they never take care of their front yard or I don't know, what do you, whatever they would talk about. Um... She would. She might agree with them, but she'd always turn it and say something true and um, kind about the person. You know, I feel like she really saw people as as um, uh, you know, full beings that they're not just this one thing, which we can so easily zero in on the faults of somebody. And she would bring in, yeah, you know. Uh, she did leave little Johnny at school uh, every day this week, but you know when he got home, I she she cooks him this amazing you know casserole or whatever his favorite food every night and kisses him and puts him to bed. And so and so doesn't take care of his yard, I know, um, but he's he's taking care of his wife who's ill, and it's just I've been going over there. It's very sweet. I don't know. She just have this way of of bringing in the positive. And so even after she was having these mini strokes and she couldn't remember what was happening necessarily moment to moment, she'd always remember the kindness of people and bring that in and just talk. She just was just constantly talking about the sweetness of people and not in a um, naive way, but in a very real, This is just really seeing the fullness. So we can practice in this way. So the next time you find yourself in a gossip moment, See if you can stop- you know, and even if you're participating, and I've done this even if you're participating you catch yourself,, oh, I don't want to do this, see what it's like to bring in something positive about that person it will it will dis- it'll just kill the gossip, you'll probably disappoint the other person, <laughs> but you're giving them a gift too of a possibility of reframing framing uh their relationship with that person so Uh, restraining from uh, refraining from divisive speech cultivating harmonious speech and then there's uh, refrain from harsh speech and this is harsh, abusive and insulting speech so this is those zingers that we (laughs) throw out there when we're really uh, angry, when we are hurt in some way, when we're defending ourselves, and we feel uh, sometimes Sometimes we say it just as we're saying it. It's just like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. I'm going to pay for that. And other times, you know, we feel really righteous. <laughs> they deserve that. <laughs> I'm so glad I said that. Or even in our mind, we'll walk away, oh, I should have said. Nah, 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 nah. And really, <laughs> you know, it's a good thing that you didn't. But start to notice You know, when do we feel justified in speaking in this way? And to explore that, not to beat yourself up, although you may need to make some apologies, and that's a good thing, but to also take the time to explore. You know, one of the ways we practice with this is not just to know these different guidelines, but the Buddha talked about being present and being conscious of this before you say it during it, while you're saying it, and after. And if you can be conscious of it in any of these times, even if it's after, there's something that can be cultivated there. There can be some learning there. The worst thing that could happen is that the whole thing happens and you're completely oblivious to it. That would be the worst thing because that will create... Uh, karmic ripple effects where you'll probably be saying it again. It'll become a habit, or it is already a habit that hasn't been stopped yet. So before, during, or after. And so then if we're refraining from this type of speech, uh, there could be a number of different opposites to this, but one that I think might be helpful is to cultivate patience. Usually when we are speaking in this way, we're lacking patience. Uh, metta the uh, loving kindness is another one Um, but uh, I feel like what will help there to be room for loving kindness in these particular instances is patience and that might mean that you got to walk away and go find your patience (laughs) it might mean that you just take a pause and find your body again (sighs) I'm really upset I'm really angry I'm a I really want to say this I'm not going to say this. I'm going to say this other thing instead. I think it will be better. Come back afterwards. Yep, that was better, but it wasn't great. (laughs) There's room to grow here. (laughs) So uh, learning to have some patience. I think my husband was uh, reading the book called Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh just recently, which is a wonderful book that I read a long time ago. It was one of those intro books that actually brought me into Buddhism. I became a vegetarian because of that book. And um, he was saying something about the f- that Thich Nhat Hanh would say uh, that if you're really angry, not to say anything, if you feel like you can't say anything wise and, and kind, don't say anything, walk away. But to come back before the end of the day, to not just walk away and leave it, but to come back before the end of the day. And he had a line that was something like, I'm really, I'm really hurt or I'm really angry. I'm going to say, I'm afraid I'm going to say something that I'm going to regret. I need your help. And I, don't, I think that's correct. I know the last part is correct. I need your help. When we are in these states uh, where we're just not clear, we're overcome by our emotions, we do need help. And to be able to ask for it from sometimes sometimes the wise thing to do is to ask from the person who's triggering us, especially if it's a loved one and someone you know cares for you but I just need I need your help with this uh, the humility of that moment um, might be enough just to break the spell of that anger, and so there can be again a connection that just I need your help, immediately there's a connection there rather than a disconnect, because nothing brings disconnect faster and an end to communication than harsh, insulting, and abusive speech. So the last one um, is to refrain from idle chatter. He said, don't do that. (laughs) Um, In the Dhammapada, there's a quote, says, better than a thousand meaningless statements is one meaningful word, which having having been said, brings peace. And so kind of like when that exercise we did earlier, to just be with someone instead of filling up the space. It's hard. It's hard to do because we often, most of us have habits to fill in the space. Can we just be with the person and not feel like we need to fill in that space? Most likely in that moment you're creating more of a connection than just blah blah, blah 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 about things that you don't even care about. I mean just saying it to feel somehow more comfortable maybe or to make the other person more comfortable. Is it possible to just give some space so that maybe words that create more connection with each other, maybe a deeper con- connection, a deeper conversation can actually happen? And so to do this maybe to cultivate listening, to cultivate how to listen, to just listen. And maybe it's listening to the silence that's between you and to more and more become comfortable with that if possible. So um, I have to end there (laughs) because we're at time. So this is what I'd like to do. I would like to, because this is kind of a a rich subject, I'd like to just stay a little bit longer and answer questions. But if you do need to go, you're very much welcome to. It's okay. Um, But if we have maybe one or two questions, I'd I'd like to stay and answer them, and then we'll dedicate the merit. We'll pass around the mic, which I think Jaime's got. So uh, if you do need to go, you're welcome to. Anyone have any questions or comments about how to practice with this? Oh, maybe it's not. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Yeah.
1: So, after I, you know, either do something like this, like say something harsh to somebody, and we end a conversation and whatever, there's this I want to say sorry. And sometimes it's like,
0: oh, I got to say sorry, I got to say
1: sorry, I got to say sorry. And sometimes it's like, I don't want to say sorry. And there's like this. And then I think, well, I should really feel sorry first before I say sorry. It's this like dance in my head that I haven't quite. It's confusing.
0: I think this is part of the exploration of, of this practice. Because... The part that says, I should say sorry, that's the part of us. We learned that when we were in kindergarten, (laughs) that when you say something mean, the teacher brings you and the other kid together and says, say sorry, and so you do. And um, there can be some skillfulness with that when you know that was wrong, I need to say sorry, but I don't really feel sorry, but that would be the kind thing to do. Maybe Maybe that's the right thing to do. I'm not saying it isn't. And um, and it's something to really explore. What is it that doesn't want to say sorry? Like, what is the part of me that just feels like I need to defend what I just said? You know, without caking on a bunch of judgmental, you know, am I a bad person or whatever it is, just to really look at the raw experience of it. What What's actually going on there? Allow it to be... Uh, something that, where you can actually grow from, so that when, when you do say something and it's very clearly harmful, and maybe not even fully true, that, you know, you can really touch into. Oh, that was really hurtful. I can feel that. Yes, I'm really sorry. And it becomes more and more of a lived experience than maybe. It would have if, uh, if that gets glazed over by just like, I'm sorry, and then walk away. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is all just an exploration. There's going to be times where it's going to be confusing. It's not going to be clear. You're not going to do it right. <laughs> You'll mess up. Uh, wise speech is this way. It takes a lot of, of intention an exploration. Anything else? Maybe one more if we have it. Otherwise, we'll close. Sure, Omar.
1: I had some issues with a an, um, coworker, uh-huh. <clears throat> and I tried to approach her multiple times in a kind, compassionate manner.
0: Yeah,
1: and it was not working. Mm-hmm. Like she kept doing the same thing and one day i couldn't hold my anger i had a very angry confrontation with her yeah. and things got better
0: uh huh uh-huh. which
1: which makes me which makes me think sometimes probably we have to get angry
0: yeah well anger isn't bad <laughs> anger is not bad in fact sometimes when we can take i just had this conversation with someone yesterday when we when we're triggered and we're feeling Anger or maybe it's its cousin annoyance, whatever it is, if we can use the energy of that to be very strong and straightforward and direct and true with what we have to say, that is that can be a very powerful um, connection that's needed sometimes sometimes the other person they're needing that um, where anger gets uh, tricky is when it's in the driver's seat when we're just when we're not conscious and and we're just comp it's just like a wave that's come over us and all of a sudden we've just said horrible things <laughs> so i don't know what you said which end of the spectrum it was but and i'm glad it worked but um yeah, anger is not the problem. You know, anger is just an emotion, like anything else. It's just that um, it's the it's when we're not conscious of it and we don't know how to be with it. In fact, if we try to push it away, that's when we also get in trouble because we're not learning from it. We don't know how to work with it, and that's when it really does take over. It's because we just we don't we're not familiar enough with it. So yeah. Yeah, there can be a lot of of power and strength that comes out of anger and we can can use when we know how to do it well. There can be a lot of wisdom in that. Okay, so thank you for hanging in there. (laughs) It's not that much later. We'll do a quick dedication of the merit. Um, So this is a time to just acknowledge that... um, Spending our time together like this, it's, it's a really wholesome, noble thing to do. When we talk about the ripple effects of what we put out in the world, this is a beautiful ripple effect that we're creating together when we come and we practice and we're, we're working with um, these things like creating more compassionate, wise speech. What a wonderful gift for the world, not just for ourselves. So we can now dedicate the wholesomeness of our time together to all beings everywhere. And in particular, we'll dedicate tonight to Tanya, who is struggling with wellness. So to Tanya and to all beings, may all beings feel safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings have health in their mind and in their body. May all beings be happy and content. May all beings taste freedom. May all beings be free.